Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 246. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the man himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, subscribers and fans of the Moonshot Show. Mike, I mean, we're kicking off the new year. We can still say that because it's only a couple of weeks into January. We're kicking off the new year with style today. We are kicking off as we mean to go on for the rest of 2024 with an individual that we've covered on the show, but Mike, a brand new area for us to lean into from this, this author. I might say that this is uh, a new take on a classic Moonshots topic, Mike. I think you're right, Mike. So without further ado, listeners and subscribers and fans, today we're digging into Adam Grant's latest book, Hidden Potential. And Mike, this is a really interesting book. This is the science, as as Adam Grant would say, the science of achieving great things. I think it's fair to say that this concept of transformation, this concept of understanding what our potential is under under the surface, let's say, understanding our success and how we go about Know, driving and striving for that success is something that's really, really on the top of our minds all year long. But what better time of the year than January to really lean into this as we're thinking about, you know, new habits, new routines, maybe some changes on the horizon. I think as we take a breath post New Year's and as all the dust is settling around 2024, now's the time to lean into something such as hidden potential. Yeah. And I think it's also a time, Mark, where we are tempted to dream a little bigger than normal. You know, that November, December thing, we're all a bit like tired, exhausted, and just stumbling across the finish line (laughs) of a year. Okay. Let's say we've all regrouped a little bit, a little energized. And somewhere deep inside, we're dreaming big dreams. We've got high hopes and ambitions, and we may be tempted to indulge those to some extent. And I think what Adam Grant does in this book is give us a bit of a roadmap of how to tap into our hidden potential. And Mm -hmm. I would say if you've enjoyed us digging into all topics around Growth Mindset by Carol Dweck, do Great Work by Michael Bungay-Stainer and many others that are really about dreaming big and working hard to be a better version of yourself, then you're going to love this episode. Frankly, you're going to love the Moonshots podcast, Mike, because that's what we're all about <laughs> is decoding what superstars do, what makes them different. And I think there is real science, mindset, and emotion and belief in realizing your potential. And I think today we're going to dig right into how to get that job done. The perfect January topic, Mark, I'm dying to dig in. Oh, me too, Mike. And I'm sure our listeners and fans are as well. So without further ado, let's hear from the author, Adam Grant, who's having a conversation with USA Today. And Mike, I just want to, before I kick off this clip, Just share a little synopsis from this book that I think speaks to this particular clip we're going to hear from. Within Hidden Potential, Adam Grant goes on to show that progress depends less on how hard you work than how well you learn. Growth is not about the genius you possess. It's about the character you develop. So let's hear from Adam now. Break this down a little bit more for us and help us understand what drives growth. You know, a lot of people think, well, I wasn't 
born into this or that, or I wasn't born with that talent. But you say that really has nothing to do with it. And it's really about finding, you know, those character skills in life. Yeah, we all have hidden potential. And my favorite demonstration of this is economists study how much money you earn in your 20s and find that you can predict that from how many years of experience your kindergarten teacher had. Oh, what? Staggering. I could There's not There's a correlation it. between your kindergarten teacher experience and your future salary. Yeah, your adult success. So what is that? Most people assume, well, that teacher is really good at teaching math and reading, the cognitive skills that you need. Mm -hmm. And that's true in the short run. But in the long run, what the experienced teachers do is they teach kids character skills. Mm -hmm. They teach discipline, determination, proactivity. And those are ultimately the skills that help us grow. That's really cool. Oh, I love that. Now, one of the other things you say, we, we've got to look out for the things that make us uncomfortable because... Why are you looking at me? No. <laughs> I'm looking at the thing that makes me uncomfortable. I thought so. Not all I've made you is better. good. No, but how does that make us better? Well, I think a, a big part of, of growth is putting ourselves in situations that challenge us. And a lot of us avoid it because it feels awkward. We don't want to embarrass ourselves. Um, one of the most incredible people I met while writing the book was um, a guy named Benny Lewis, who could not learn a foreign language in school, um, just struggled mightily. And now he speaks 10. Wow. And the, the, the big aha moment for him was when he realized he wasn't using the language. Hmm. He was afraid to speak it because he didn't want to sound stupid. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what Benny does now is he goes to a foreign country and he engages in what he calls social skydiving, where he deliberately tries to make about 200 mistakes per day, knowing that if he uses the language more, even if he screws up, he's going to learn faster. Wow. Increased mistakes you maintain as well. Yeah. So you also talk about a sponge. You use this a sponge as a, as a metaphor. Explain that. Okay, so when I think about being a sponge, it's not just about absorbing information. It's also having a good filter for what information oh, okay. is useful. Um, not all critics are thinking critically. Not all critics are speaking constructively. And I'm sure you've all had the experience of asking somebody for feedback after a performance. Mm -hmm. And it's not that useful. Um, some cheerleaders are basically just applauding your best self. Uh, and then you can get complacent. Mm -hmm. You have some critics who are attacking your worst self. And that can be extremely demoralizing. What you want are coaches which are people who see your hidden potential and help you become a better version of yourself. Mm. And the way to get people to coach you instead of just cheerlead or criticize is instead of asking for feedback, you ask for advice. Mm. The research shows that if I ask, what can I do better next time? Then instead of just kind of reviewing what happened yesterday, I get useful, actionable guidance for what mm. I can do differently tomorrow. Okay. My, this was like, talk about a strong start. I mean, <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah. look, I, I think that uh, the first thing I would say is if you wanted in one clip a modern take on the growth mindset by Carol Dweck, that was it. That was it. Mm. So let's break it down a little bit. For me, there is something that we have seen as a pattern in the show of the last 240 plus uh, episodes, Mark, and that is it's not just what you know, like your cognitive skills. There's all the behavioral character-based approaches. It's almost, it's not what you know, it's how you apply it, right? Mm. And the how mm. is things like teamwork, communication. And what specifically backs up the science of what Adam Grant is saying there was the work by Angela Duckworth in the book Grit. She studied thousands of students and found that the pattern for those that succeeded over time, was always those that had resilience and grit. It wasn't that they were bigger, better, or faster. Fascinating, huh? 
Mm, I totally agree. I mean, you're right, Mike. It's kicking off quite uh, energetically, I should say, this brand new uh, episode. There was a lot to dig in, even though it was just a kind of intro clip. And obviously, Mike, we've got plenty of time today to dig in deep in some of our some of our areas that we're going to uncover today. But you're right, that idea that Adam was sharing towards the end of that clip, this concept of advice more so than feedback, I think, again, probably is pre-delegated or, or you know, preceded by that education journey that you go on. You know, this process of learning about the growth mindset that we've done on the show this process of digging into books such as Angela Duckworth on grit, um, Elizabeth Gilbert with big magic around creativity, you know, trying something new that perhaps you haven't done before. This idea of uh, resilience, more so, uh, sorry, less so about, you know, going out and doing a marathon perhaps, but more so just powering on with the work that you want to try and do, having the resilience to keep on coming back and giving it another go. Totally. I think really lends itself to this concept of advice more so than feedback because you're opening up to different ways of working. You know, ordinarily we would receive feedback exactly as Adam said in a way that um, I suppose points out perhaps, you know, errors are, this is, this is wrong. This is right. Blah, blah. But instead the most useful times that I've received feedback are from managers or leaders or even colleagues or even external individuals such as mentors that then give you the respect and the advice based on perhaps your character, perhaps your attitude. So less so about, hey, you didn't, one plus one, you did that wrong. Instead, it's more orientated around, okay, well, your attitude was right. You worked really hard at this. This is what I would say you should go and do next time. Maybe it's reading this. Maybe it's going out and doing that. Right. So, a build that I would do on that is it, you might be tempted right now in 2024 to say, okay, I really need to learn the skill of using chat GPT, or I really need to develop my skill of understanding how cloud-based uh, ho hosting works. You know, cloud and, you know, generative AI, two big trends and sort of skills and techniques that you can use as an entrepreneur or at work or at school. Now, here's the fascinating thing. I would argue those are, yes, good to learn, love them, those topics myself. But do you know what I think is of equal, if not greater importance? Learning how to be creative, learning how to be resilient. So notice the difference there. One is like a skill, cognitive skill. The other one is a value, a characteristic or a behavior on how you go about doing that skill. So if you think about it, being creative as a characteristic, to be, to, to really craft that as a defining characteristic of yourself, super important. To be resilient, to have vision, to have passion, to have great communication, teamwork, to be open, to be empathetic. These are characteristics that will take you so far. And I think the most important thing is they are timeless. The skill of mm. the, the day comes and goes. But these skills were very important to the ancient Stoics and they matter here in 2024. I think these are the sort of skills that we can work on, not just the cognitive stuff, but mm. also the behavioral, the character building. things. One might say if you were to become a member 
of the Moonshots podcast, you may have a great chance of improving your character, your behaviors, your values, so you can be the best version of yourself. That's right, Mike. I mean, individuals are coming at us from all over the globe, joining up the Moonshots family day in, day out, all of them building along with us character skills based on all these fascinating topics, Mike, that we dig into on the show. But without further ado, as is new tradition on 2024, please welcome in all of our members, Bob, Ken, Dietmar, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo, Lisa, and Sid, Mr. Bonjour, Paul, Berg, and Kalman, Joe, Christian, Samuela, and Barbara, Andre, Chris, Deborah, and Lasse, Steve, Craig, Daniel, and Andrew, Ravi, Eved, Karen, Raul, Nikawara, Ingram, Dirk and Harry, Karthik, Venkata, Marco, Jet, Roger and Steph, all of whom are our annual members. Guys, thank you so much. As the new year kicks off, we want to give extra high fives and thanks to all of you lot for your continued support. But Mike, we have to follow up with the individuals who are hot on those heels, such as Raw, Nimelen, James and Diana, Wade, Christoph, Denise and Laura, Smitty, Corey, Gayla and Bertram, Daniela, Mike, Dan, Antonio, Zachary, Austin, Fred, Lorenz, Ola and Andy. Guys, thank you so much once again for your continued support as well as your brand new support if you're a recent member. It's fantastic to have you with us and thank you for supporting The Moonshot Show. Absolutely. And your support helps us produce, pay for, and cover all the costs that are associated with publishing the show on Patreon, on YouTube, into your little Spotify and Apple Podcaster apps. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort. We've got to pay a lot of bills. So we deeply appreciate it. So thank you to you. We're very grateful. And don't forget, you get the Master Series, a whole new podcast as part of your membership that's only available for members. So head to moonshots.io, hit the big member button. You can do it and you will get for yourself every month an additional Moonshots podcast. So I tell you what, we might not always get every master series correct. We might be a little imperfect, but we deliver it every single month, Mark. And I am so glad that we get to now hear from Adam Grant, talking about imperfectionism. And I think this is a very surprisingly interesting topic for us to study. Yeah, I agree, Mike. The idea is going to be something that we can really dig into after the clip. But just to set it up, just to tease ourselves, Mike, this idea of proactive imperfectionism and character traits is intrinsically linked. So everything that we were discussing a second ago, let's now build on it. Let's now hear from Productivity Game, one of our favorite YouTubers, who's going to break down this lesson of imperfection from Adam Grant. There is one thing that predicts your future growth more than anything else. It's not your genetics or your intelligence. It's your character skills. Character skills allow you to override your instincts and hold true to your values. Unlike personality traits, your character skills are not fixed. Researchers prove this by arranging 1,500 West African entrepreneurs into three groups a control group that received no training, a second group that received cognitive skills training, like accounting and marketing skills, and a third group that learned ways to boost initiative and self-discipline. The third group grew their business and profits by an average of 30% over the next two years, which was three times more than the group that strengthened their cognitive skills. Other research shows that adults earn an average of $320,000 more over their lifetime if they had an experienced kindergarten teacher who taught them to be more proactive, cooperative, focused, and persistent. If we can strengthen similar character skills, regardless of how old we are, we will go greater distances 
and unlock our hidden potential. When striving to strengthen one's character, it's helpful to have an ideal who encompasses the traits and behaviors of high potential people. I call this ideal the proactive imperfectionist player. Let's isolate the first part, proactive imperfectionist, and understand why being a proactive imperfectionist is essential to unlocking potential. Most perfectionists fail to maximize their potential because they learn to hate mistakes and avoid criticism. When they make a mistake, it lowers their self-esteem and makes them think, I'm not doing that again, which shrinks their comfort zone. This way of thinking repeats, which limits their learning until they only end up doing what they know they're good at. Adam Grant is a recovering perfectionist who was held back by perfectionism as a diver in college. Grant had a habit of delaying his dives until his footwork was just perfect. At one practice, he says, I went back and forth on the board for 45 minutes without making a single attempt. As I stood there frozen, I wasn't just wasting time. I was freezing my progress. I was failing to learn hard dives and only making small refinements to easy ones. I needed to get over my perfectionism. A proactive imperfectionist is someone who attacks perfectionism head on by setting a mistake quota. For instance, a proactive imperfectionist diver pushes herself to do dives so hard that she makes at least five major mistakes of practice. A proactive imperfectionist learning a new language tries hard to speak fluently, but doesn't have a successful day unless they make 200 mistakes talking to locals in a foreign country. A proactive imperfectionist student does his best to ace practice exams, but doesn't stop studying for an exam until he gets 100 practice exam questions wrong. When you set a mistake quota, you are seeking discomfort, which is crucial because how much you grow depends on how much discomfort you're willing to experience. One mistake quota you could set this year is to experience at least two personal project failures. This could be a side hustle, a personal growth project, or a project related to one of your hobbies. If you don't encounter at least two failures in the coming year, you either didn't finish enough projects or those projects weren't challenging enough. If Adam Grant scored perfect 10s during his practice dives, he wasn't pushing his limits. A more productive use of his time would have been to start with a dive that earned him a 4 out of 10 from his coach, then work on it until he could get an 8 out of 10 on that dive. In competition, scoring an 8 out of 10 on a difficult dive would have been more valuable than a perfect 10 on an easy dive. Start taking a similar approach in your life. Work on most things until they're just good enough so you have more time to challenge yourself and explore your potential. There is one thing that predicts your future growth. Mark, this is absolutely spot on. Talk about making Carol Dweck happy. Um, as the author of Growth Mindset and really kind of setting up this whole space academically, um, uh, I mean, I love this. I love this. So here's my little exercise for us. If we want to bring a little bit of this imperfection uh, into our lives. I mean, they call it being a proactive imperfectionist. I'm going to hit you with a list of 10 ways you could adopt this into your life and you need to choose the one that you like the most. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Um, now, uh, let me get this list together. Here we go. All right, Mark. And don't forget, we need to hear your voice. So you need to hit that mute button. Here we go. Here's the top 10. Embracing mistakes as opportunities to learn. That's number one. Number two, setting achievable goals. Prioritizing self-care for well-being. Saying no when necessary. Number five, practicing self-compassion. 
Six, accepting imperfections in relationships. That's a good one. Seven, taking mm. necessary breaks. Eight, willingness to delegate tasks. Nine, not constantly seeking validation. And lastly, focusing on progress, not perfection. If you're going to become, oh. if you're going to become a proactive imperfectionist, which of those 10 do you think is the one you're going to adopt? I can only choose one. Yes. Okay. I, I think uh, we've covered a number of these, I suppose, in very, very light ways. So I'm quite exposed to it, to a few of these, Mike, in a number of the shows that we've done in the past. So as you were reading those out, I was scribbling a few of them down thinking, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I must come back to this. Yeah, I must come yeah. back to that. I think actually one of the ones that stands out from that list that perhaps hasn't necessarily, I haven't had enough chance to really dive in myself more is number nine, not seeking validation. So where I'm going with the not seeking validation piece is it's attached to my ego. You know, ego, we've obviously talked about a lot on the show. We've dug into Stoics. We've dug into uh, Ego is the Enemy with Ron Holiday and so on. Combining that approach, and here's where my mind's going, combining this uh, addressing approach to my ego, keeping it in check, at the same time as exploring a new area such as, you know, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert would have said with Big Magic, you know, going out and trying something perhaps for a brand new, brand new way without seeking validation is always something that's held me back. I think when I look back at my career, the projects that I'm going to be most excited about when they get given to me are the ones where I think, I think I can nail this. I think I can do well on this. And that'll make me look good. It'll make me feel good Mm. because everybody else will think I'm good too. That validation piece is quite unhelpful though because what it does is blur my decision-making process. It does. I'll often... Yeah, you'll often kind of trip, so to speak, at the first hurdle because my, at least in my experience, my mind would immediately go towards which is going to make me look the best, mm. which is, it might not be monetary. It, mm. it won't be monetary based, perhaps. It'll be more ego, inverted commas, driven. So I think as I look across this new year, Mike, and breaking down those mistake quotas, that's the one that I think I want to try and dig into more. That's not to say a handful of those weren't, Areas that I want to work on as well, such as self-care, yep. such as the, uh, the imperfection in relationships, I thought was quite interesting. Too. Those two were huge for me. Those two were huge. Yeah, yeah, I thought they were. And for me, though, the seeking validation piece is definitely something that I've always noticed. And as I've journaled about, that's the thing that is probably pinning me down, perhaps, actually. Yeah, and I think what, you know, you called out this one, of not seeking validation, which to me means going for riskier, harder options Mm. that have the risk of failure and building Mm. the strength to withstand that failure and use it as learning. Now, what's interesting about that is if you push into those areas, what you see is you will grow a lot more it's like lifting heavier weights, running longer distances. Even though that will be uncomfortable, you're actually getting stronger, fitter, and better because of it. And what's interesting mm-hmm. is we now can see, if you will, the opportunity cost that happens when you go for the easy crowd pleaser option in any part of life, yeah. the easy run, right, the easy assignment, 
or perhaps the client really needs to go a much more harder route, but you cannot be bothered going down that route with mm. whatever it is. The fact is we need to search out discomfort if we want to grow. And if it doesn't mm. work out, that's okay. I think that's the biggest thing. Unless you die doing it, life continues. <laughs> it ain't that bad. But it's yeah, funny how yeah. we do translate a lot of risk as do or die. Mm, mm, and for it's sure. simply not. What it is, and you yeah. nailed it, it's the ego speaking. Mm. So it, it, it was almost like a reboot for all of us when we want to not seek validation, seek the harder thing, choose to take a risk because even if it doesn't work, you'll have learnt so much and if you continue to learn you'll be bigger better and faster right yeah that's it and i you've i've got to admit there are times in my career that have been tricky and when i look back at them though i look back at them with an enriched point of view i'll look back at them and you know have a little bit of gratitude because you'll notice that those really tough times often don't happen very regularly that's right and like you say they are the times that you go deeper into your soul and you're really pushing hard trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this well what am I made of how do I react to this type of stress or strain and it's a great testing point that then you can refer back to you know I don't necessarily mean when everything's rosy and you look back and laugh and say haha wasn't that tough but instead when the going's really good you know that there's a deeper level that you can go to if needed i.e. your volume is much, much greater yeah. than it ever was yeah. because you know you can dig deeper. Yeah. And that, I think, gives you a lot of confidence. I think that gives you a lot of um, kind of weight, so to speak, behind you. Mm -hmm. So that the more you practice and the more you expose yourself to it, that heavier you get, the more confident you become. So I think for, Mar for me, Mike, as I'm thinking about not trying to seek that validation, it's probably going to be something that once I do it once, maybe I do a project that, invariably is going to be really hard. Maybe it's going to be tough. Maybe I'm going to fail at it. I think for next time, it then becomes that much, maybe not easier, but more comfortable. Maybe it becomes that little bit less of a strain. Yeah. And if I was doing, if I was in that same moment, I would take things into my control. I would journal and celebrate my mm. own effort and my own learning. So I'm not so looking out for third party validation Give it to yourself because even if it yeah. didn't work, you're learning a ton, write about it and celebrate it in your own journal. So it becomes a form of seeking validation from knowing you're doing the right thing as mm. opposed to others seeing what you do. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's, it's more orientated around that personal growth space. I mean, Mike, this kind of sounds like this belongs on the Moonshot show, you know? This it's, sounds like a slam dunk, doesn't it? <laughs> it's crazy. I told you this is like a like a very contemporary take <laughs> on growth mindset, mm. which is why we're having so much fun decoding it, breaking it down. Mm. But I think Adam Grant's got a ton more to, to share, right? He, he does, Mike. He does. And, you know, as we think about this idea of mistake quotas, embracing, you know, vulnerability, to use Brené Brown's language and the idea of growth mindset. Let's now think into the game of chess. Let's have a little bit of a break, Mike. Let's hear from Adam Grant now talking to Next Big Idea Club. He's going to continue talking about, you know, character skills. But actually now, I think we need to get into some chess. 
I always thought that chess was an example of a skill that really leaned on innate intelligence, right? That that innate math skills, spatial math, was was uh, in my mind in the category of something that was more genetically determined than than maybe some other skills. But you write that intelligence turns out to be, quote, nearly irrelevant in predicting the performance of adults and advanced chess players. The early advantages of cognitive skills dissipate over time. It takes an average of 20,000 hours of play to become a chess master, 30,000 to become a grandmaster. This requires proactivity, discipline, and determination. You probably had encountered a lot of this research before writing the book, but did the process of writing the book move you further in the direction of concluding that, that raw intelligence may be overrated? It did. And leave it to you, Rufus, to pick up on something that I thought was fascinating that not a single person has asked me about. Hmm. Chess research. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I actually, I had not looked into the chess data specifically. Um, I'd, you know, I'd been reading a lot about, you know, nature versus nurture and, you know, the fact that everybody has hidden potential. And, you know, we've, we've all talked about deliberate practice at yeah, one point or yeah. another. What I did not realize was <laughs> that essentially, you know, even in a, a brain power rich game like chess, that intelligence basically gives you an advantage if you're a novice or you're a kid. Um, you can learn the rules faster. You can memorize moves mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. more quickly. You might have them at your fingertips more. You can, you know, see the pattern on the board more rapidly. But that over time, that can only get you so far. Um, and that what ultimately allows people to, you know, to achieve greater things in chess, and this is true in life as well, um, is having character skills, not just cognitive skills. Um, character skills are what motivate you to keep studying to keep imagining um, different endgames for different beginnings, mm -hmm. to anticipate what your opponent might do, and then, you know, have a series of, you know, of, of possible um, counterattacks and, you know, defenses ready. Um, and I, I don't think that we spend enough time talking about character skills. When we talk about character, we think about it as virtue. We yes. assume that, you know, being a person of character is about being good, and being decent and being noble. But I've really shifted my thinking on this and, and the chess research was part of this to say, you know, character is not just will, it's skill. It's being able to put your principles into practice. So it's, it's one thing to, you know, to be disciplined and determined and proactive when things are going well. It's another thing to stand by those values on a hard day. Mm -hmm. That is as much about a set of learned capabilities as it is about innate talent. Mark, this reminds me of how we discovered that happiness and contentment is a muscle that needs to be trained and worked on. And yeah. being of good character, being of made up of the right behaviors, not just your raw intelligence, it's not what you know, but how yeah. and why you do it. Oh my gosh, am I taken right back there when I hear Adam Grant speaking? I know, it's so good, isn't it? And, and you're totally right. This idea of really leaning into your values, leaning into your behavior, and staying true to it, even when the going gets tough, Big even one. when you're pushed to breaking point. Big one. You know, that, that for me is, is the, the takeout here. And I think it's, it reminds me, Mike, of a lot of the work that we've learned from, you know, even Simon Sinek around leadership, leaders, leaders being the best versions of themselves 
when they know how to manage themselves. You know, we've done obviously many ser- many episodes as well as a master series on managing people. We've leaned into coaching. We've leaned into, you know, leadership roles and so on. And I think my, that's the real big takeaway that I had from a lot of those lessons or a lot of those insights. Get your house in order before you, you know, try and broadcast it to other people. Exactly, exactly. So here's a question. Mm. How do you remind yourself of your character skills? How do you keep yourself in check so that, you know, the ego doesn't run rampant or we get lazy and all those bad, the dark side of character skills? How do do you do it? Well, I think... Uh, to use a, a, a concept that we've talked about a lot on the show before, it's it's journaling, yeah. step one. That's how I can hold myself accountable. That's mm-hmm. how I will go back and revisit. Perhaps I've had a particularly tough time with something at, at work, let's say. I can go back and revisit it later. I can have another look and think, well, how did I react to this? Was I a bit moody? Was I a bit you know, petulant? Why is that? Why was I being a child? And I can hold myself accountable. I can think, I didn't need to react in this way. I didn't need to even write this down in this way. The fact that I've written it in my journal with this tone of voice demonstrates something wasn't right in the way I was thinking. But then I don't know whether that's necessarily enough for me. You know, I'm visually stimulated. I enjoy collaborating people. So if I write it down myself and I reflect on it, what I also try and... um, surround myself with are individuals who can also say it back to me. Yeah. So whether that's at work, whether that's at home, having the luxury of being able to say to an individual, Hey, how am I reacting at the moment? Am I behaving? Okay. It isn't delegating the responsibility to somebody else. I'm not saying, Hey, you should get, you know, your partner to always tell you what to go and do and how to react. But I think it's worth having a touchstone, Mike, whereby you can judge your behavior, whether it is in fact completely off the radar. You know, maybe you've catastrophized over something for too long. Your mood <laughs> is now totally, you know, we, I've used the word like percolating. You know, if you percolate on bad vibes, generally in my experience, I will, be, I will behave in more of a kind of morose way. You know, this idea of positive reinforcement, um, mantras and so on, super valuable. I think for me, when I write it down, I also need a little bit of assistance from those around me just to pull me up when I get maybe a little bit too big for my boots, perhaps. We all do. We all do, Mark. We absolutely do. Yeah. The, the, the other thing that I do is I actually, every single morning, I actually read and say and write about some of my values. So not only will I journal on some values, I'll actually write and publish the work on them. But mm. I just up, mm. I just wrote today a post that will come out next week about the values, the 16 values, character skills said differently, that um, that I'm working on. And I want to, to just be really clear here. What I'm, I'm going to read to you these really quick but I listen to these and read these out every single day. And here's my thinking. If I say and hear and listen to these every day, when in the fog of war things are happening, i.e. life, I will have trained my subconscious to respond in this way, okay? Mm. So here's, here's how 
I hope that I make my decisions and live the good life. Here we go, real quick. Sleep is priority number one. Be still for there is much to hear. Start every day like it's a new life. First things first, listen to understand. Observe without judging. Go slow to go fast. Go high when they go low. Embrace discomfort. Smile and breathe. Be curious and open to the new. Get outside and move. Rest, recover, rejuvenate. Don't dwell on the past. Don't worry about the future. Take complete ownership of my thoughts. And this, I go to those 16 ideas every single day. I am priming the subconscious that this is how I'm going to approach life. This is what I want my character skills to be, you know? Mm. Oh, I love that, Mike. I think this this concept, like you were saying a second ago, happiness, uh, as we learned from the Dalai Lama, being a muscle, I, I completely agree. If you continually reinforce values, if you continually reinforce those mantras and mindsets, it's, it's undeniable, I think, that that is going to impact your day. You know, as you were reading those out, I was thinking, what a great thing to start your day because it opens your mind beyond the immediate. Correct. It opens, I was to do that, and maybe I'll, I'll even steal from the next newsletter, those 16, <laughs> and, and start doing them myself. We'll do a little bit of a test. Yes. Um, because it removes me from the to-do list, from the distractions, from this stress of, okay, well, what do I need to do first? Instead, it's my time. It's kind of like stretching a muscle before going to, to have a workout. You're stretching your brain. You're putting it into context yes. so that it remembers what else is out there around the world. You know, there's a legacy to consider. There's, yep. there's great work to consider. I, I think you're totally right. What a, what a fascinating little 16. Did you write those yourself? Were you inspired by <laughs> so, other individuals? So this is like years of me journaling mm. and just figuring out, like, how do I want to live? And a lot of it comes from what we're doing together on the show, Mo. Mm. So it's inspired by, like, Jordan Peterson or many, many, many others. But here's the interesting thing. The way I think about it, if I don't prime my subconscious with those, chances are in that empty space will be lazy and or negative thoughts. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to have my thoughts affected by anything else outside of my control. I want mm. to be as razor sharp as I can be. So when you know what hits the fan, those things kick in absolutely. So what I notice is since I've been saying uh, sleep is priority number one, what happens is I really want to get myself into bed before 10 p.m. It, it's like a built-in thing. I know this is a priority. So I've noticed the mm. difference that it's made. But you see how like you, ha- you, you like happiness. You've got to work on this stuff. We all want yeah. to be good. I think the vast majority of humanity want to be good. But what does it mean? And I would say the advice here is write your list of mantras and values and say them every single day. Mm. You've inspired me, Mike. I think what a perfect topic as well to be talking about on this show about hidden potential. You know, this is something that I think is going to inspire us to, you know, figure out what makes, for me at least, what makes me tick. You know, I've got a list of mantras as long as my arm. But what I've never done is distill them down into, let's say, 10 or 15 or 16 daily ones. So that's my homework, Mike. 
I think you've I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Awesome. So we have really dug into Adam Grant, but I know you have gone out and scoured the universe and found one more big idea from his book, mm. Hidden Potential. So why don't you set it up for us so we can get the full masterclass, the full entree, main meal and the dessert. It's just here. What do you got, Mark? Yeah, there's, there's nothing hidden in this next slide that's uh, all about potential. Let's hear from Adam Grant. He's going to talk to uh, Andrew Huberman, fantastic, on a key skill, Mike, a key skill that gonna, is going to help me open up my ego. It's going to refer to this idea of legacy, which we love to talk about on the show, but also a concept called the coach effect. I was, uh, I was getting ready to give my first TED Talk uh, a number of years ago. Extremely nervous. Um, I'm a shy introvert. I was, for a long time, afraid of public speaking. I remember in college, literally shaking um, to raise my hand, uh, being that nervous. And now I'm supposed to get in the red circle. Um, not my idea of comfort zone. And I happened to mention to our oldest daughter that I was nervous. And I asked her for advice on what I should do. And she said, I think, I think at the time, let's see, she must have been... She was seven, maybe? I think seven. Uh, maybe six. Anyway, um, she said, uh, look for a smiling face in the audience. So it, 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 was, it was one of those moments where I'm like, oh, that's such a good idea. Um, why didn't I think of that? Like, oh, yes, I can do that. I know people who are going to be in the audience. So I asked a couple of friends to sit in the front rows. And I, I locked eyes with a couple of them, and my nerves went down a little bit. So a couple weeks later, um, Joanna's getting ready to be in a school play, and she's also shy and introverted, and she's nervous, and she asks us for advice. And instead of telling her what to do, I said, well, what did you suggest to me a few weeks ago? And she, she remembered, and she said, look for a smiling face. And it, it, was, it, was, one of, like, the, it was one of the most moving moments um, of my life, like Allison and I got to the play and she looked at us and she beamed. And I just, um, I, I think what I learned from that experience was uh, kids need to feel that they matter. And most of us think about mattering as, um, you know, showing kids that they're unconditionally loved and giving them the support they need. But we forget that part of feeling that you matter is feeling that you make a difference. So as a kid, feeling like you have something to contribute as a parent asking my daughter for advice, that boosted her confidence. And I think that this is, um, I've come to call this the coach effect. Uh, it's one of my favorite recent findings in psychology that uh, when, when you're struggling with something, um, your instinct is to go to somebody else for advice and say, I need guidance. The problem is that keeps you in a passive frame of mind. Uh, it makes you feel like you're dependent on others. What you're better off doing is finding somebody else with a similar challenge and giving them advice. And what that does is it, it shows you that you have something to give. Um, it boosts your efficacy. Um, the research on this by Lauren Eskris Winkler and colleagues uh, is fascinating. So people who give advice instead of receiving it, um, randomly assigned, end up uh, more motivated and more confident. Um, and I think this is something every parent could do. Right? Whatever challenge you think your kid is going to face, find a version of it that you're grappling with and seek their guidance on it 
And when they run into that same challenge, they will have confidence that they can begin to figure it out on their own. And you can be a coach in that process as opposed to just telling them what to do, which they may feel like is not relevant or they may resist because they don't want to be told what to do by a parent. So that is my favorite parenting lesson from Hidden Potential. Okay, this is a topic near and dear to my heart, Mark, and Mm. I'm thinking many thoughts all at the same time, so let me try and get them in some sort of structure. I mean, the first thing that hits me there is what we mean when we talk about being a continuous learner is also Mm. being a continuous teacher because there is this wisdom that if you want to learn something, you should teach it. And I think what's so beautiful about that story is we can invite the people around us to teach us too. And Mm. if I'm learning one day, maybe I'm teaching the next. And then the day after you're the teacher, then you're the learner and so on and so forth. And if you just see it as one big continuous loop, the beauty of it is, is it compounds. Because as you teach and learn, you affect those around you then they affect you, and then in turn you affect them. And I believe this is where you work out that life is a team sport. Mm, So if you are continuing to learn and teach, you will inspire others to do so. They will inspire you. And this is when you're having that off day and you get that great bit of advice from your son. That's what makes the difference. That's the moment when maybe you're down and I give you a tip and you're like, magic, right? And then the next day you give me something. I think if we can all learn into lean into learning, by de facto, we're leaning into teaching. And if we do that for ourselves and for others, I think you're just paying it forward. I honestly, personally, I don't think there's much of a higher calling than being a continuous learner because it means being a continuous teacher. And it's, you know, teaching everybody how to fish. Don't give them a fish, yeah. teach them how to fish. Yeah, I I agree. And something that I've been personally inspired by over the last few years probably is this idea, this idea of um, sharing advice that then helps other people kind of become how they want to be, you know, how they want to get better. Maybe it's not something I can physically do for them. Maybe it's just an emotional Mm. buoyancy perhaps, you know, with my wife going through lots of exams and so on. I'll give her the buoyancy. I think all these moments actually ladder up. And I quite like the terminology you use, Mike, this idea of paying it forward. I think it ladders up because when you are in the moment, maybe you're very, very distracted. Maybe you're stressed. There'll be times when somebody will come to me, maybe it's a colleague, maybe it's a friend, whoever it might be, will come to me and my head won't be perfect. You know, it won't necessarily be in the right space, but I'll still do my best. I'll think, hey, why aren't they asking about me? Why can't we talk about my stuff, eh? Why do we have to talk about yours? By putting myself forward for them, being that support, maybe being that coach, what I realize afterwards is I feel a lot better. I'll feel lighter. I'll feel as though I've I've maybe done something good. And that, I think, is something that is more accessible to a lot of us nowadays than perhaps giving up our time for charity work or going out and doing something we're very, very passionate about. I think there are going to be times when in order to prioritize the work that we have to do day in, day out, we can seek out some of the, let's say, reassurance, the passion, the love that you can find elsewhere by being that coach, by being an individual who strives to bring 
other people up alongside you or above you. Mm-hmm. You know, the work that we saw with Steve Kerr, all the work that we studied in the sports series really stood out to me. That's right. Because of how selfless, I think, is probably the right word, these coaches are because they know it's all about the team. But really, they are the individuals behind the scenes making it all happen. I, th- I think, Mike, this is another great reminder to me that in order to dig out that hidden potential of mine, I need to not only be aware of who I am as a, as a colleague, maybe even as a coach, but also put it into practice. Yes. You know, really make a daily effort. Maybe that's one of the mantras. Be a coach and help somebody each day. Yes. Well, I would say that if you think about it like this, if you're a partner who's always uh, learning and teaching your partner about things in life, that sounds pretty good. If you're a friend who's, when the time's uh, appropriate, teaching or learning together with your friends, that sounds like someone I want to hang out with. And the same thing as a Mm. colleague as well. If you realize that by paying it for, by helping people to fish and not just giving them the fish, you are doing like I think the highest order of service to others and they'll do it to you. And I think that's how you win in life as a team sport, Mark. I mean, we are we are covering some serious topics now. Um, yeah. This is what happens when you tap into finding your hidden potential when you when you tap into a growth mindset. Having covered so much, Mark, I guess the big question for you is What's the one thing that gets your attention tomorrow? I, this this is a little challenging on this show, I have to say. Yeah, th- this this one feels a little bit more challenging than usual for some reason. I mean, there's just so much to it. You know, we've just covered the idea of coaching and we didn't even talk about Michael Bungay Stanya, Mike. Right. You know, right. there's just so much depth that you can go into with each of these areas. But I think actually for me, what stood out was the character skills and trying to put them into practice more regularly, particularly around that idea of imperfection. So building on the mantras that we were reading out, this idea of vulnerability and so on, I think for me, being an imperfectionist, trying to work on demonstrating that to those around me, but also more importantly, holding myself accountable to it Mm. and giving it a go, getting out there and trialing something new and maybe failing at least a couple of times this year is, is I think going to be the challenge that I'm going to set. What about you, Mike? I mean, a lot of different topics, a lot of different areas within this concept of hidden potential, what's standing out and what's going to be the next step for you. It's a wrestling match between the self care and the imperfect relationships from my famous top 10, very famous trademark top 10. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think those are the two that, that need attention from me. So, um, not getting so knackered and, um, yeah, just accepting the ups and downs of all sorts of uh, relationships. I think those those things will help me a lot um, when we think about expectations. Well, Mark, the first show of 2024 with one of our most popular superstars, Adam Grant. Uh, what a show. So I want to say thank you to you and thank you, you to our viewers our listeners and our members here for show 246 where we started the work of Adam Grant in his brand new book, Hidden Potential. And there was four big chapters to today's effort. We really dug into what drives personal growth. We looked at uh, character traits and character skills development. These huge things beyond what you know 
It's how you go about doing it. And that was the big lesson today. And if we continually learn and we continually teach, we can really embrace the coach effect where we don't only improve ourselves, but those around us. And that is absolutely what we're about here on the Moonshots podcast and learning out loud together to be the very best versions of ourselves. Okay, that's a wrap.